1: We were told that our calendar was manipulated long ago. Now hard to believe considering the irregularity between days in a month, leap years, daylight savings time, and dozens of other errors or corrections to the measurement of time, depending on how you look at it. Today's guest, Tom Sherman, has posed and pondered this question and other chronological quandaries. And lucky for us, that led Tom to devise a whole new way of dividing the seasons and measuring the time of year. Seems like Tom is at the forefront of a potential paradigm shift in the making. Time is an ongoing mystery as listeners of my podcast titled Your Handbook for the Apocalypse Surely know, a podcast where Michael Wan and I attempt to unravel these mysteries through anecdote and dialogue. You are now tuning in to Your Handbook for the Apocalypse, episode 58. The previous episodes are available on all podcast apps under Mike Wan's podcast feed titled Susquehanna Alchemy. Subscribe wherever you listen to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. This episode is essentially an episode of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. Uh, Mike's perspective on this topic is invaluable, so I'm sure you'll love it. Thank you for tuning in, and enjoy this episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. Tom, let's get into it, man. I'm... Very curious to hear your story, and I want to know how this calendar came to be. As you just pointed out, there was a little bit of uh, serendipity—we can call it that—around your your previous job ending and this new role commencing, right? So, talk to us about this new role. How did you become the guy to bring this calendar to the world? What made you, you know, start this process?
2: Yeah, that's a uh... That's a great question. I've thought about it a lot myself trying to figure it out. You know, to one degree, time's always kind of interested me as far as like just a subject in general. I remember back in, you know, grade school type deal, I had a whiteboard. I got a whiteboard for the first time. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I wanted to make a schedule on it to, you know, clean my room and do this and that and like make sure I just had everything done so that I wouldn't get yelled at all the time and it was just really frustrating that i had to you know you couldn't actually do something where you know i dusted the room every you know third week or something like that you had to rearrange everything every month you had to erase all the numbers and put them all back in so time was always kind of a frustrating interesting thing for me fast forward a few years i was in college studying finance and Kind of had a a quarter-life crisis when I realized I didn't want to do finance and I, I wasn't really interested in that career path. It didn't quite make sense. This was also during the 2008 financial crisis, and I remember my one of my teachers walked in and was like, "Yeah, you know the the interest rates are negative, and that in theory shouldn't ever happen." And that's what we're learning about in the chapter, but. We're just going to keep learning it anyways, because it'll be fine. It'll all just be fine. (laughs) And I kind of felt like, you know, this seems kind of like a scam. I don't know. So I decided I didn't want to do that route and was kind of taking a hard look at my life at what I wanted to do. And one of those things that I've always found interesting was, you know, being an inventor, being a scientist, that sort of thing. So that's what I decided I, I wanted to, you know, use as my career's passion. So I started keeping a notebook of all my different ideas, thoughts, that sort of thing. And time was, again, one of those research areas that, you know, time is this like weird, slippery, magical substance that nobody really knows what it is or or how it works. And yet it runs our lives every single day. So I just started keeping a you know, keeping some notes on time and all that. So then I guess fast forward another seven years or so, and I missed a bill payment at my bank for, you know, one of many times, (laughs) one of many times, but it was kind of the last straw. We had a dispute whether or not Saturday was a work day, which they said it was because the bank was open until noon that day. And I countered, that's kind of crazy. Saturday's not a work day. But there I was in my kitchen, I decided we're going to have to end this once and for all. And I took a wall calendar off the wall and started labeling days from one to 73 starting on the winter solstice. And the reason I was doing that is because in the research that I'd done in the past, one of the base truths that I'd come to was that if there's 365 days in a year, 365 only has two base factors five and 73. So you can't divide a year by any other numbers and come up with even units. So I decided going, so I started on the winter solstice labeled out one to 73. That first period ended on March 3rd. And so I was like, all right, yeah, that, that kind of lines up is, you know, spring starts in March. That's that. So then the second period goes from March 4th until May 15th. And, Again, that was, okay, yeah, that's near Memorial Day, the sort of traditional start of summer. This is lining up. And then the third period, the the middle period, and then the middle day of that period, the 37th day of the third period, landed on the summer solstice. And so that's <laughs> kind of when it all clicked as like, wow, this like time is actually a system that makes sense if we step back and, and let it versus right. kind of impose... You know all of the different numbers we try to divide the year up by, whether it's seven or twelve or thirty-one or twenty-eight, and so that that was kind of the big eureka moment. And so then that third period went from May sixteenth until July twenty-seventh. The fourth period of the year went from July twenty-eighth until October eighth, and that also made a lot of sense to me, just because where I'm at in the Mid Atlantic, it's where you know the farmers they call it second spring. You know, we're getting hurricanes instead of nor'easters. Uh, migrations are starting to reverse. The late season crops are coming in, the sweet corn and watermelon. So it, it all seemed like it made sense. And then the final period went from October 9th until December 20th. And so then that after that moment, that's kind of when I went really full bore into researching the five seasons, how to make a calendar, how to reconstruct a calendar, you know, using best practices. You know, I looked into all the other different variations and uh, proposals that have been put out there by different people over the years. And so that's kind of what really kicked it all off. And so then that was in 2017. And yeah, it's just kind of been an interesting path since then. I, I went through the patent process, um, And then we were gearing up to, we put out a product. We were gearing up to go to a bunch of trade shows and then COVID hit. And so I kind of pivoted into web development because of one of the biggest feedback people always have is, you know, this wall calendar is great, but I I need something for my phone. And so I went down that path and then I kind of got sidetracked. I got a job. I, you know, hadn't wasn't really putting a lot of energy into it and then earlier this year I got fired from that job and on that day a video that we were putting out on TikTok went viral and the new calendar started making all sorts of crazy sales and I I had to put my you know put all my time and energy into that from there so that's awesome yeah I don't know and then that led us to here I don't it's crazy I I don't know
1: All in good time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I really like the eureka moment that you had where things just started lining up. Maybe I missed this part, but how did you land on that number 36? I feel like your explanation for five seasons, when I read that in the little guide that came with the calendar, it made a ton of sense and it really clicked. It felt holistic compared to let's say the gregorian calendar or any other calendar which is like imposing this other you know matrix onto the calendar and at this point in history it's like nearly indecipherable but but yeah how did you stumble upon 36 as the the days of the month
2: yeah so that's the issue right with a 5 and 73 having 573 day periods those are both prime numbers. So they're kind of hard to work with. And so it's easy to discount and throw that conclusion away. But what I decided for the the 36 day months was basically that, because I mean, first off, if you just take one out of 73 and you get 72, divide that by two, that's easy enough to come up with two 36 day months. The other reason that I really enjoy a 36 day month is 36 is a highly divisible number so it divides well by two, three, 4, 6, 12, 18. So, so you can partition it out in into a lot of even units and uh, a lot of even time frames versus like a 30 day month you know it only has so many it, it has less opportunities to divide things in an even manner. So that's why I, the 36 day month made a lot of sense. To me,
1: it definitely feels like, and I know you're not approaching this from this angle necessarily, but it feels like a sacred number. It feels like a number, as you said, it's it's divisible by many different values. It just it seems like it it appears many times, at least in my research. But again, I'm looking into some strange cult. numerology type stuff. Recently where it came up was with the measurement of the nine square in New Haven, New Haven, Connecticut's America's first planned city. And the surveyor, John Brockett, he surveyed nine squares, 16 acres each. And when I measured the diameter of the square, it ended up being 3,600 something yards. So it was just kind of interesting to see that 36 popping up three plus six is nine. It's a nine square, right? So just it, it feels like that number is is enigmatic and maybe even powerful if that's not too much to assign to something like a number. But Mike, I'm curious what your thoughts are at this point in the convo. What are you thinking?
3: Well, Well, first off, when you were explaining my involvement to Tom, what you did mention is like my background with calendars and, and rethinking time. So, so definitely I have a great deal of appreciation for where Tom's coming from with looking at calendars. And it seems like listening to him describe his, his motivation. There is a, there's some differences, but then there's some complementary like perspectives. So I'm very curious to hear some of his thoughts, but the first question I have for him is, and maybe this was, I don't have a copy of the calendar. I read about it online, but the question I had is like, what is the, walk me through the benefit. What's the benefit of five seasons? What's the benefit of months of 36 days? Like how does that add to or change from the Gregorian system? Like, what's the benefit for the user?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, to one degree, I feel like the the Gregorian calendar is like death by a thousand cuts. And okay. it's it's got a lot of small issues that continually compound and create much larger issues. Um, so, for example... Th- One is uh, there's not 52 weeks in a year. There's actually 52 weeks in one day in a year. So, what then? What ends up happening is today next year is tomorrow, right? If we're looking at the 29th of November, it's not going to be a Wednesday anymore. It's going to be a Thursday, or if Mm -hmm. it's a leap year, it's going to be a Friday. And so, it creates this sort of like continuous, continuous like minute changes that don't really allow you the user to coherently look back throughout the years with precision and accuracy. So it's like if in a couple of years we all meet up and we're like, Oh, remember that podcast we did? When was that? You know, it was around this time, but you know, well, Oh, was it, but it wasn't really today cause it was on a Wednesday and you know, it's so that's kind of one of the issues that the Gregorian calendar has. Another one is, I mean, just as a measurement system, it doesn't have any standards, and it's one of the only measurement systems that was created before the scientific revolution, where they set out standards of you know units should all be the same size, they should build into larger units coherently, things like that. So there's uh, so so that's kind of what the fifth season does. First off, it fully encapsulates the year into a standard unit that can be deployed to track, measure, analyze, compare data, events, you know, throughout, throughout time with consistency, with precision, with accuracy. And so then what ends up happening is when you put that into the calendar form, now this calendar it will work forever. It you know you don't need to throw it out at the end of the year and buy a new one. It, you just need to turn back to the first page. It's an anchored system. Um, and then the final thing, real quick, I'd say is the Gregorian calendar in measurement theory. There's a something called a fixed measure and a floating measure. And a fixed measure is like if you had a ruler that was etched into a boulder out in Nebraska. And so if you ever wanted to measure something, you had to bring that out to Nebraska and put it up against the boulder, and then that's how you'd be able to measure it. That's a fixed measure. A floating measure is having a ruler on a stick that you can then bring wherever you go and and measure things. So floating measures are, are far more preferable to fixed measures and the Gregorian calendar is a fixed measure because, you know, if you and I wanted to start measuring a year out from today, like we don't even really know what that means because it's like, what is a, is the first, do we have to do one month is 31 days and then a 28-day period and then a 30-day period and then a 31-day period. And, that, you know, it's a destructive measurement. Whereas the new calendar, since it has standard units that, Always repeat and that are completely uniform. You and I can start measuring out a year from today, and it'll be five seasons from now, 73 day periods. And, you know, we'll have encompassed a full year. There's no sort of guesswork or questioning how to create that measurement standard.
0: So
3: the benefit has to do with a standardization in terms of being able to consistently like envision and understand the unfoldment of time in, in like measurable units.
2: Right. So yeah, exactly. Cause another way to think about it is like time as a measurement system works perfectly from a second compound 60 times into a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day after a year, you know, 10 years is a decade, 10 decades is a century, 10 centuries is a millennia, but there's this complete breakdown in between a day and a year where you lose all consistency, you lose all standards. And a lot of these units don't even work with each other where the seven day week was actually brought in and overlaid onto the Roman calendar, you know, centuries after both of the timekeeping systems had been made. And then that's how you kind of create this system where a seven-day week doesn't divide evenly into any month except February, and, and then you also end up with this sort of slow rotation throughout time because the seven-day week doesn't fit into 365 fully either. So, so yeah, that, that is the benefit is creating a set standard of time that we can observe in perpetuity. Yeah. Wow.
1: See now, and this might seem like maybe a kind of a very simple, straightforward change, but I wonder, and, and maybe this isn't something you've explored yet, because this is maybe a more historical aspect of, of this whole side of things. But what do you think the, the motivation was to create a, a calendar the way we have it today is it just an error of time where you know they were doing the best they could with what they had available in the middle ages and trying to fix a problem maybe with limited resources or without like kind of looking very far into the future to see how this would compound into problems as you described or do you think there there was maybe a a purpose for you know kind of obscuring this this you know count of the days in this fluid, you know, understanding of time.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it's a little bit of both where, you know, I think originally the calendar was created as a tool to, you know, track and measure seasons so that, you know, you could hunt better, you could farm better, you could plan better. And then at some point, people also realized that there's a lot of power in that time, and I so in all of the research that I've done I can only really remember one like one major reform that occurred that was altruistic really and so this was back in Roman times they had come up with the calendar system but it wasn't like released every year what would happen is some high priests would release it at the beginning of every month and What they ended up doing was corruption. (laughs) And if they liked a ruler, they would extend the month by a few days. They wouldn't release a new calendar. They'd be like, oh, no, you just lost count. Like, we're still in this month. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And then if it was a ruler that they didn't like, they would reduce the days of the month by a few days. And so until somebody named Gnaeus Flavius, came in and said, "You know what? No, we're going to we're going to publish out the calendar several months in advance so everybody has it." And he got a lot of pushback from within the temple because they were losing a lot of power. But on the other hand, he, his point was this is better for commerce, this is better for people that, you know, <laughs> like that that they'll be able to plan and have control of their own time versus, you know, yeah. Having people sort of control you and tell you when time is. So there's definitely a little bit of both of those things in timekeeping and calendar creation.
1: Well, and that's fascinating. The level of, you know, sociological manipulation that can occur because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a pretty large degree of consistency that we observe with the movement of the sun moon and the stars i mean that's how we hypothetically create something like a calendar right with the measurements of the movements of these bodies now you know do you think that there's any like reason to And Mike, please jump in here if there's a more coherent way of asking this question, if you're catching my drift here. But, you know, there's fluctuations, we're told, in in the way things work in the universe. I mean, is it possible that something like a, a cataclysm... Or, um, you know, a change in the earth's, uh, you know, alignment somehow that would throw a calendar off and cause, you know, these religious leaders to, you know, kind of keep the observations close to the chest. Like, it, I mean, I don't know. Again, if I'm not really making sense here, it's because I'm kind of struggling to find the right terms. But yeah, they like explain this to me because it feels like what you're proposing is a very consistent thing, right? We need a calendar that's consistent, but is the universe around us going to match that consistency?
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the delicate balance between everything, right? Is sort of creating something that makes sense and is logical for us, but also, mirrors the actual reality of things enough that it it does make sense and so so like to to that point is kind of like leap day is where you know the reason that we add in the leap day is because the earth's orbital rotation isn't perfect it's you know 365 days and a quarter day so if we don't if we don't observe in an extra day every so often all of a sudden, the start of the year is going to be, you know, more towards the middle of the year. And people are going to say, how does that make sense? Like, how, how is our start of the year where it used to be winter now in the summer? So, but at the same time, if we observed 365 and a quarter days precisely, then that means one New Year's would be at midnight. And then next year, the New Year's would be at 6 a.m., then the year after that, it would be at noon and then it would be at 6 p.m. And so that's just as illogical to start a new day, you know, at different hours throughout the years. So so that's kind of what we have to. Those are the types of philosophical questions we have to kind of wrangle with when thinking about what are we how do we want to structure time and how do we want to observe our universe it's right. You know, it, that's that. It's a natural tension that we can only comprehend so much. And since we understand a day a lot more than an hour, you know, we see the sunrise and we see the sunset. It's a lot harder for us to gauge what an hour is. I, you know, that's kind of where the focus on days becomes versus the precision of counting the exact hours of a year. Mm. But I don't know if, if am I kind of get touching on what what you were asking or not. I. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious
1: to know what Mike's thinking at this moment. But, yeah, no, Tom, you did address kind of where I was aiming at because it doesn't seem like uh, calendars, as we know through history, have maintained uh, consistency, and maybe that's due to the environment and and not just humans. But, Mike, what do you think?
3: (laughs) So Tom really hit something... Of significance when he was talking about um in the olden days of the manipulation of calendars for social control or social purposes or anything like that and if we want to take it a step maybe even further is the primary the primary way in which all groups of people the foundational cohesiveness uh, and this is just like anthropology, or at least anthropological theory, comes with a universal agreement of how time is measured. And so that means that just by the very nature of culturally defining. Time and time's measurement—you're talking about how people understand reality. So, so calendars and time measurement is immensely significant in terms of also like controlling people or influencing people for either nefarious or benefic sort of reasons. Um, so that needs to to be put in play, and then also like what, what you're bringing up, Mark, and on a more subtle level, is how then do we? measure time you know or define the measurement of time in a way that is cohesive with what we actually see with our senses or experience with what can be measured by time like you know sunset sunset, as Tom said, it's easy to see when the sun rises or there's a sunset you can define, like if that's how you're going to define the day, that's easy. But an hour is much more difficult because an hour is an abstract concept, which only can be really understood through a machine or maybe counting, you know, whether that be like an hourglass or a watch or a a digital clock. So we're moving from like knowable, real measurement of time to to more abstract concepts. So, so for someone who goes and, and thinks about about like restructuring the calendar, there is certainly a you've the I think Tom def- described it as like it's a delicate balance between like how much is are we trying to get order and how much are we trying to be in alignment with the physical reality in which we're experiencing life and then coupled with like the fact that this is also really significant in terms of like how all of, all of life is like how people come together in terms of like living life cohesively. So the question, so I, I don't know if that answers your question to me, Mark, but I'm going to, f- I'm going to frame a question from that perspective back to Tom, which is I'm curious what it was about that TikTok video that resonated with so many people that said, Hey, I want to go in and learn this system or see a new system. Like what was it? Why were people motivated? What were they getting out of it? What was their payoff?
2: Yeah, that's a great, that is a great question. You know, I think that there is a great thirst. I think there's a great thirst from people. Just to understand where we are, what we're doing, you know, kind of these, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, it's easy to wake up, go to work, eat, sleep, get up again, and you're kind of stuck in this rut that no one really steps back and analyzes the systems we're in and and then explains them to to people. And so I think that's kind of where a lot of the initial interest in time that that people have just kind of stumbling across the page. And I think there's the same sort of thing with, like, people. I think people intuitively really enjoy math and science and exploration and and that sort of thing. And there's just not uh, a lot of that sort of content out in the world right now, it's a lot easier to come across, you know, fluff versus substance. So I think that's kind of where a lot of the interest comes from. I know the first video that went viral was a, it was basically a, the subject was along the lines of, you know, only a few inventions like change the world. And it, it kind of listed a few and, and then it said the new calendar is the next one. And so I think that that's also a big part of it where it's exciting to come across a groundbreaking concept and idea that is, is being floated out there that could, you know, revolutionize society. It could undermine the status quo. It could help explain you know what? Uh, it, it can help explain the the questions and the mysteries of what are we doing and why are we doing this. So, and then what you're saying, where time and, and calendars is this pervasive, uh, pervasive system that has been created piecemeal over thousands of years by people in power in order to coordinate us and and have us you know, either work together or, or against each other or or whatever, like you said, both for beneficial and malevolent purposes. I think that's just kind of the, that's what people, people are interested in what it is. What is this like weird mystical, magical substance that nobody knows what it is. Nobody can explain it. Nobody, you know, I mean, you ask a hundred people, what is time you're probably gonna get a hundred different answers. And
3: Can I give you a concise answer to that one? Sure. Because it's real easy. It's the lag between events. There you go. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but anyway, your point. You, no, I mean was, like, yeah. That's, uh, but that's what it is. Like well, because, yeah. because time is rel- the experience of time is the mystery. Like that's the whole Einstein thing of like time being relative and a moment with the beautiful, an hour with a beautiful woman can pass in a moment, but an hour, like with a bore feels like an eternity. Like the mm-hmm. experience of time is the mystery, but like the measurement of time is like the thing which is very palpable or which we can deal with. But anyway, so, so I'm sorry, I, I took you off your That's, you know, that,
2: that's uh, I mean, that's a good point. And it's, but again, that's, you know what I mean? Like Eve, even though that was a great answer, I'd never heard that one before. So there's, you know, I've asked that from a lot of people. So there's a, but yeah, the relativity of time is interesting. I mean, I personally, I like to say time is a measurement and I also like to say time is a frequency. And so I don't know. There's,
3: Tell me what you mean by time is a frequency.
2: Well, so, it, you know, a frequency is normally defined as something over time, which means that time is intrinsic to frequencies. And then time over time is a frequency as well. So I've started viewing it as like, you know, and then frequencies and waves, you know, if you hit the same wave at the same time, they create higher amplitudes and you can Mm -hmm. create resonance and all that. And I think the same thing with time. I mean, if You know, when you're on a set schedule and, you know, you go to the gym every day and, you know what I mean, eat these things at the same time and then over the next three days, you know, it, it compounds and it builds. And then your experience of life is completely different versus if you're, you know, using time in a different way. And especially with the current calendar where I think it obscures some of those frequencies, it's tough to get on a sustainable pattern so that you can build up these magnitudes and and create these higher resonance, you know, actions and times in your life.
3: And also built into, you know, the nomenclature of the current system is like neuro-linguistic contradiction, like October, like oct meaning eight for the 10th month. Like all of these things that on the unconscious speaks to the person who's like practicing that naming mechanism for months which are contradictory and they're not thinking about that consciously but unconsciously there's a reminder like this ain't make no sense right right so so there's definitely like the how we measure time and the consistency and structure Like the impacts you're without a doubt, you're absolutely right. There's a thing there. And then also to build the inertia in terms of how one spends one's time and to be able to understand a predictable mechanism. That is certainly like that's tangible and that's real. I'm curious about how your system, which you're describing also links into or ties into like the knowable and observable reality like you know di- like solstice like you said that you begin on the solstice and you know the midpoint of the middle of the th- five seasons that's going to be the summer solstice which makes sense like how else do you see the system like tying into physical reality and physical reality's timekeeping
2: right so one of the one of the other cool things that i kind of just stumbled upon doing this sort of research was i so yeah i was looking for data to use right to divide out into the five seasons so i could you know under you know so i could prove the theory right and the only daily time series data that i could really find that was accessible and easy was sunlight hours because that's we we always have sunlight hours and so if you break up the observed sunlight hours by the gregorian calendar and how we measure seasons um it creates a bad graph, and it probably isn't the best for podcasting. But I'll try to describe it. I mean, so basically, you'll end up with four lines that they're they don't start in coherence, coherently with each other. There's no.
3: What There's, are these four lines? What are the four the, lines? So
2: so doing? the four lines of winter, spring, fall, and summer, the so classic like a,
3: a, a bar graph, I think they call that. Is that what you're describing?
2: No, I'm describing a line graph. But we can all actually a bar graph would be easier to, to do. Okay. So let's start with the bar graph. If you tally up sunlight totals throughout the four classical seasons, you'll end up with it kind of looks like like a normal curve. I mean it kind of looks like a a coherent sort of you know, you have lower amounts of sunlight in the winter and the fall. And then in the spring and summer, it's a little bit higher. The peak sunlight's in the, the summer. So, but it has a negative skew. It it drifts to the left. It's not a, so, so, it's so not a nice... Clarity,
3: so for clarity's sake, are you saying like sunlight hours, the total amount of sunlight in a season? Yes. Okay. All yes. right. So if you were to add up all of that time, like, okay, all right. Right,
2: right. And so then if you look at that same amount through the five seasons, what ends up happening is you get a normally distributed curve where fall and winter have the same amount of sunlight hours, spring and autumn have the same amount of sunlight hours. And then in the middle, summer has the most sunlight hours, but it's a, it's, there's no skew, there's no variance. It's a, yeah.
3: So then, in the four season, using this analogy in the four season model, then how is the distribution of sunlight hours per season? Like, what's how are they not? Are fall what are they?
2: It's so winter has the least, I believe. The then spring has spring, summer has the most, spring has the second most, and then I believe winter has a little bit less than fall. I would have to. Pull that up, pull that chart up real does quick. Does
3: that vary by latitude?
2: It does vary by latitude, but the pattern stays the same. And, wow, the proportion. Right. Right. Well, so yeah.
1: And as I'm hearing all this, I'm thinking, all right, well we're gonna we're gonna include Photos in the show notes for people to check. (laughs) But as I'm thinking that, I'm looking at my hand and I'm like, oh, wow, my hand is exactly what you're describing. My thumb and my pinky are the same length. My ring finger and my pointer finger are the same length. And my index finger is the longest. I mean, that's essentially what we see with the seasons, right? We have this same five ratio going on. I think five is kind of neat in that way where it fits into you know, this idea of sacred geometry and uh, humans being in this macrocosm, microcosm. Yeah, it fits really nicely when thought of in those terms. But you have uh, five seasons here in this really neat user guide that came with the calendar. And it's all broken down here. I imagine you got the info in front of you. But I really like the discernment between fall and autumn. That was the Part that I wasn't so sure about. I'm like, okay, what's the fifth month? And then when you find out it's autumn, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I was born in autumn. Autumn feels like it's kind of like an undercover month, it's not quite fall. So I like mm-hmm. the distinction. But, uh, but yeah, I think anybody can just look at their hand and see exactly what you're trying to describe with that ratio. Yeah.
2: And, you know, it's crazy. I've, starfish, you know, even humans, you know, we think of ourselves having four, four appendages, but really I look at it where the head is a fifth appendage. The number five is a very natural, naturally occurring number. I've always liked the thing where if you slice an apple in half, not from stem to tip, but through its middle and you look at the seeds are in the shape of a five, five star.
1: Venus makes that same pattern as it travels around the earth and the sun.
2: Yeah so the,
3: the five pointed star is has embedded in its shape the golden ratio phi or 5 and that is the you know your fibonacci sequence it's that ratio that proportion that shows itself over and over again in the uh, in our natural world so like 5 and 5 like that makes perfect sense like that like this is what you're saying like you see the five fingers the five nubs, it's coming off of the torso excluding male genitalia (laughs) but but and also like i know you said 73 and distinct and making a distinction between 72 but i'll be a little bit broader with with my paintbrush but 72 is the angle when you divide by five like that gives you that five-pointed star so like dividing it but thinking about seasons as it relates from a phi ratio or a golden ratio, like that makes a lot of sense. Like that, that, that is an alignment with our natural reality. That was one of the first things that jumped out when I heard about these five seasons. So, like, I mean, it's, that's an, a, a way of framing up perspective. Mm, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. And which is harmonious.
2: It was. When I first discovered, the, when I had my Eureka moment and I made myself a little calendar on a spreadsheet and that I was using and going around telling everybody that there's five seasons and they're looking at me like I'm crazy and all, that, and all that, I felt like I was living in my own little world because, you know, it'd be like March 3rd and, you know, it's not like spring, you know, we're not in the middle of spring, but you'll see the little nubs on all the tree branches. You know, it's just like the tiny little things of... The slight shifts in in the you know the world that occur at these sort of moments the that it, it was just amazing. I was just astounded. I was just walking around the world in awe, looking at it through new eyes for the first time. And it's yeah, it's and then to hear you sort of say you know these things of like having these seasons align in that manner that. It just all clicks. It just keeps clicking all over again. And it's, well, it's you, beautiful. You
3: also just, you indicated like the power of perceiving reality through univ- like a an agreed upon lens of the unfoldment of time. You tweet, you know, through your own experimentation. You're like, oh, there's another way for me to begin to see time. And I felt like I was in my own little world. And so when you begin and like, you know, even drill down into that a little bit more so you can come to the conclusion when we change the way collectively or individually that we define the unfoldment of time, like everything can change. Like, like your understanding of reality will change, particularly if you go, if you build upon that, like that's how it's seemingly insignificant, like the way people will go and define time, but it is huge. It's impact on consciousness and reality will ultimately come out of our, our consciousness. So, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to participate in this conversation today is because it is so profound when we're Mm -hmm. dealing with rethinking how we understand, how we understand the measurement of time. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And then also like, I, I think that there needs to be a distinction with the word season because We think of season in terms of like, like climate or weather, like, you know, winter is cold and summer, but seasons as defined in the Gregorian calendar, like they do make sense in the fact that they're defined by equinox and solstices, like as defined by the amount of daylight relative to darkness in a 24 hour period, like there's a factual truth about that. But they have nothing to do, perhaps, with the weather you're feeling. Like, just because it says it's, you know, we've entered into the season of fall on September 21st, like, it still feels really friggin' warm out, just like in spring, like, it's still cold out. So, to be able to have a distinction between experiential weather and then sunlight measurement, I think that's really important too.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and, that's that sort of thing where the plants and the animals, you know, they're not, they don't know what the Gregorian calendar is. They don't use it, but what they do use is the sunlight. You know what I mean? That's sort of their dictating force of, Oh, it's time. I need to start migrating. I need to start, you know, preparing to hibernate. I need to start, you know, sprouting leaves. Without a doubt. You know? Yeah.
3: I think, I think about this a lot that like us is just a, like a, the biological machine of the human body and how it all works and taking in light, though consciously you might not recognize when from a sunrise to sunrise event that suddenly there's more light than darkness. Like when you cross over the threshold of an equinox or when the days go from growing in, to- in lightness to like receding in lightness, like those have real effects on the human, like physicality. Just as you're saying, like it, ha- it's easier to understand it in terms of like the animals, and so that goes into to part of the significance of how you want to measure time is to both pay homage to that truth about light, but then also pay. How does it align within our rational mind and how we begin to? organize what we call time like like the more we can bring clarity to that the more we can become in alignment with with just how we live our lives and the experience in in the the realm in which we're having our life experience you know like being alive in a culture i want to say this one last thing before before i drop the mic and that is you mentioned tom that you were always interested in calendars because you wanted to, because to stop getting yelled at, you're being silly, like, you know, cleaning your room and so forth. And the word calendar comes from like, it's a Latin, a Roman concept. It's a Latin word and it's for you to pay your bills. Like this is a reminder for the bill collector. Like this is when you owe me. So like in a way, like not to get yelled at, like by like who you owe money to. So there is also built into our understanding collectively with like Time and the measurement and understanding of time and not being in trouble. Like there's a, there's an anxiety built into time, like, because no one wants to get yelled at by their parents or get, have the bill collector come to the door and, and break your kneecaps. And so like to redefine time in a way, which is empowering as opposed to a mechanism to, to avoid punishment. Like that is also important in the human experience as well, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, that that was always one of my, the thing I hated most about the old calendar is, you know, since a month can end on any day of the week and a month can start on any day of the week, you know, all of a sudden you flip the calendar page over and it's like, oh, I owe rent today and it's Wednesday and I'm getting paid on Friday, you know, And, and you're getting, and so it's all these logistical nightmares that compound at once that you don't really think about until you flip the page And you see the reality of that next month. And that's why one of the things I always wanted to do was in this new calendar system was make sure that the first day of the month is the first day of the week and the last day of the month is the last day of the week. And that's for every unit because starting a new month midweek is like if we started a new day mid hour. You know, it's just not it's just bad measurement. (laughs) <laughs> it's just bad measurement practice certainly
1: well and on that note I'm looking at your point about each week and talk to us about how the planets fit into each day of the week I mean I know through and I think a lot of people have learned this that each day of the week that we use in, Eng- in the English language has a association with a a god each god has an associate with a planet right and some of them are pretty obvious saturn right Mm -hmm. and saturday but the sunday and monday moon day you know those aren't necessarily planets the way we consider you know planets today from a more modern astronomical perspective what's going on with the days of the week in this system
2: yeah so So currently the days of the week are named after what we thought the alignment of the planets was when we were under the impression we were living in a geocentric universe. So that's why we thought the first planet was the sun. Then the next planet was the moon. And then Tuesday is Mars, I believe. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it goes on through all the other planets. So that's what we thought the seven classical planets were. And, Basically, when I learned that during my research, it kind of made sense to uh, f- in the new calendar with the 36-day month, I divided it into four nine-day weeks because most people estimate a month to be four weeks. So it, it made sense to divide a, the, the 36 days into four groups. And then the nine days, it, w- it, it was just one of those serendipitous moments that, I was like, "Oh, I can just overlay our, you know, our current understanding of the solar system onto the days of the weeks and so go from Mercury day through Pluto day." And mm. I understand that Pluto's not a planet anymore, but you know, I'm I was born last century, so I'm <laughs> going to say that Pluto's a planet still. <laughs> right. That's a agreed. <laughs> but yeah, right? But yeah, that's basically where it came from was the, Yeah, after I learned that the, the current days of the week are named after what we thought the planets were and, you know, just kind of giving it a little update. Okay.
1: Now, there are ways to measure, you know, uh, where the planets are in relation to the Earth. Do, do you take that into account with the naming of the days or is that, would that not fit into that kind of shorter range of time?
2: No so not necessarily with this calendar, although I do have grand plans to I have made a Martian version of this calendar for a friend of mine who he's he's working on some Mars project and so he's like living on Martian time and <laughs> okay. the scientists have already messed up the Mars calendar way worse than they've messed up ours so i I told him I'd make him a version I'd definitely like to make a you know, a copy for every planet and kind of then maybe figure out a, you know, whenever all the planets align to have that start as a, you know, set another standard of the intergalactic solar system standard. Right. But yeah, that's on the five-year plan. Well,
1: And you mentioned the, how, you know, in the past people had a geocentric model of their universe. And I had a guest on the show not too long ago named Simon Shack, who's written a really fantastic book about um, Tycho Brahe and his observations of our place in the universe. And Tycho Brahe, a lot of people don't know, came up with a helio geocentric model of the Earth where the sun, the Earth, and the moon are working in this sort of pump-like relationship where they're actually the, in, in unison, the three bodies in the center of the, our solar system. And I just wonder what the calendar would look like, or if there's even a necessity to change the calendar based on, you know, different models. What do you think about that? Like entertaining a a different model other than the heliocentric one?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's super cool. I definitely am going to need to Research this guy a little bit more. I mean, here's my take is, you know, to some degree, I don't really know anything. Right. And all I know is what people have told me before and that it could, you know, it, that could definitely be wrong information. So I, you know, as, as much as I'm a proponent of heliocentrism doesn't mean that there couldn't be some of these other models that, that might work. But really, from my perspective as well, is I'm hyper-focused on time. And so what I do know and what I can agree on with everybody, depending on any of these models, is there's 365 days in a year and 366 on a leap year. And so until that sort of fact changes, I don't really think that you know, it, it, if we're living in a geocentric model right now, and and I'm way off base, but there's still 365 days in a year. This is still a better way to to divide that time up. So, so yeah, I I don't really know. You know, I I can't tell you what what each system may or may not look like, but at the same time, if the reality of us on Earth no matter what the system is, there's 365 days in a year as we're either as we're going around it or as the sun's going around us or they're, like you say, this sort of pump action cyclical thing, then, you know, that, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, get I don't you.
1: know. No, I get you. And yeah, it, you definitely answered my question on, on that note. And maybe this is equally fringe and out there. And Mike, I do want to get your thoughts after this question, but have you looked into, let's say like older systems of keeping time? I've had a guest on the podcast not too long ago named Lauren Jeffries, who's done a lot of work deciphering the Mayan calendar and looking into that whole enigma. Have you gone and tried to you know look into the ancient calendars and see if they have any information that connects with what you've created
2: yeah i i've definitely done some research into those sort of ancient technology ancient calendars the mayan calendar i mean that's just so beautiful because it is precise beyond imagination and i mean they're talking about the position of our solar system in the galaxy. I mean, they're they were really good time. And so and then the ancient Chinese calendar, that was a that was a loony solar system. So they combined the moon movements with the sun's movements to make a two year rotating calendar type situation, I think. And so yeah, I've definitely looked into to those things and I mean again like yeah, my hat's off because they, uh, a lot of them are spot on and precise beyond belief. It was just one of those things where as uh, as these systems, in order to capture that precision and the intricacy, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, it, how practical is it to have a multi-year calendar that you know, do we want a multi-year calendar or do we want a single year calendar? Do we want a, you know, something that's capturing this precision and accuracy that makes it a little less practical for us on a day-to-day basis? And so that's kind of the question. And so the tact I decided to take was, since this is a, a crazy topic that people are already, you know, it's already an uphill battle. It's a tough sell trying to tell people there's five seasons in a year. I've always erred to the side of I want to keep things as, as familiar and comfortable with people as possible mm. so that they intuitively get it. And it's kind of like what you are saying earlier with Autumn is like that kind of, you know, I was like, what am I going to name this season? And so, you know, it, making up a random word versus – taking something that we already know and teasing it out into a difference between autumn and fall. I I think that's, I think that's the way to go. And so same sort of deal with like the Mayan calendar is top notch, but it's just a little too, I think it would be a little bit tougher to sell as a system than, Mm. and to get people to, think about switching over it or using it in their daily lives than than going about it with just a a strictly solar calendar that's focusing on the 365 days, you know, in the year alone.
1: No, great point. I think you're taking a great approach and making it uh, available, especially in our our modern age, where efficiency sells, and what you're proposing is something that is definitely more efficient. And I think you know, if it gets into the whole world of corporate, you know, synergy and all that, I'm sure people would love it for that in that respect. But but it, it definitely, you know, this is a, a topic Mike and I discuss a lot on this show is you know perception of time, how the our experience of time fluctuates and how we have these sort of base markers or this baseline reality that we can kind of trust as an objective thing as opposed to a lot of what you can call subjective you know that we have around us is majority subjective and it seems like the calendar has been altered by subjectivity as well which is great that a bright mind like you is on the trail trying to remediate that. Mike, what are you you thinking at this point?
3: Well, right now I'm just listening to where you're going to go with your statement, Mark back to, well, uh, so uh, this is what, when it, what what I think is evident to anyone who like pays any attention to the measuring unit which we use for time, you know, calendar is that the calendar, which is being used across, you know, most of the world is flawed. And then from there, then the question is like, well, well, what would like a less flawed calendar system look like? Now, to me, the, a question which needs to be asked with that is like, well, what are you trying to accomplish with the system, with a new calendar system? and it is from that where the direction for a type of calendar system at least for an individual maybe not necessarily for all the people who live upon earth but where that would point to where to go so for example if the idea is more efficiency you know that points to a certain direction if the idea is greater integration with reality like that's another direction so the talk like the type of conversation we're having today with tom like i think it's fantastic because it at least opens up the conversation of like well there's flexibility and what your choice is going to have an impact whether that be i'm more efficient or i'm more integrated or i'm more this more that so i think it's a a, a really significant and important topic to be broached
1: mm-hmm Yeah, no, I love it. And I'm real grateful to have my own copy of the calendar. One of my favorite parts of the guide is right on the first page, Tom, where you say, this is your calendar and this is your calendar on drugs. And uh, it definitely feels like the complicated, you know, nonsensical division of the months is, you know, some sort of deliriation of what should be. And yeah, if this could help people get back on track, I'm all for it.
2: I I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's, you know, it's one of those things, you know, how people argue between metric and standard system, but I always love to say at least a foot is always 12 inches. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's 13 inches sometimes and then 10 another time. And like, it's just unbelievably frustrating that, that, nobody really even knows what a month is just because we, you know, it, it's one of those things the first thing you learn in school is, in kindergarten is there's four seasons in a year and these are the months and this is the month's order. And, you know, and then I don't know, was, I think I was in third grade when they taught us the rhyme of 30 days, half September, April, June, November. And, you know, it's, we, we just get indoctrinated so far into the calendar system And then never think about it again, that it's just kind of crazy to me. And I just think that if we live in a modern society with, you know, freedom of thought, freedom of science, freedom of, you know, to do whatever we want, we should be able to step back and, you know, take a hard look at the systems we live in and say, is that does this make sense? You know, or are we just sort of you know, on, for the ride on this ship that's been built, you know, taken off in a plane while you're building it type deal. And, you know, the calendar has done great for us so far, but again, we also deserve the, the ability to question it and take a step back and say, you know, maybe this isn't an infallible system. Maybe it does have flaws. Maybe we can update our thinking about time based on our modern, you know, modern technology, modern math, modern science.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many areas to be explored. You have some FAQs here in the guide that comes with this, answering some questions like, will your birthday move? Or is there still 24 hours in a day? Is there still weekends? Very interesting ways to restructure the way you, you know, live in the world. I think it's a good opportunity for that. And people can go to thenewcalendar.com to find out all the info at the new calendar on social media, wherever you engage with the socials. But Tom, this is great, man. I, I think one last question that's on my mind before we wrap up is where does the moon fit into this equation? We measured daylight and that seems to be... A really great, you know, metric for this, but does the moon fit nicely into this understanding of time or this way of measuring time?
2: Yeah, not really. <laughs> the moon plays by its own rules. And so that's why, with certain cultures and certain calendars that are based on the moon, for example, the Islamic calendar. The moon doesn't actually, you know, it, it I think it's like a twenty nine day cycle, something like that. So it experienced this date shift that that we've talked about a little bit. But that's why like in Ramadan where they have to fast all day, some years it's in December, some years it's in June. So, you know, it's because it's this slowly shifting throughout the year since the lunar cycles don't really line up with the solar cycle in a precise neat manner so the moon uh so yeah so that's why when i was deciding which route to take building a calendar out i chose the solar calendar because in our society for the most part we're using the solar calendar as our our guide the lunar calendars were mostly created back when we were living as crepuscular animals a little bit more and we're going out doing hunts and pretty active at night. But we've kind of domesticated ourselves to be solar-centric species. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of also what I was saying earlier with the Chinese, how they created a lunar-slash-solar calendar. They fused both of those systems together. So those are the kind of three options that most calendars go through is either you align to the moon, you align to the sun, or you create a mashup of the two. And so, yeah, so so the moon doesn't play well with the new calendar, although, you know, it still exists. It's still going through its phases. That's just a different sort of thing to keep track of. Right.
1: All right on, Tom. This is awesome, man. I really appreciate you joining us to discuss this. Mike, as well, I appreciate your perspective immensely. and uh, couldn't have done the episode without you. I really wanted you here for this because I do feel like you and Tom have a lot in common as far as what you're contemplating and a lot of the, the, the things that you're you've shown me as far as, you know, how we can view reality. I think Tom is doing these things in the in the same vein. So to the audience listening, go and get yourself a new calendar, one that you can reuse, right? Because that's another neat thing about this new calendar is aside from the leap year, you can reuse it, right? I could just keep using it 2024, 2025. I mean, it's up on my wall right now and it says... And I might need to change it, but it says we're in late fall right now. This is late fall. Yep. so yep.
2: Yeah, we're in late fall. And yeah, you can use that at the end of late fall. You just turn it back to the start of winter, and then you can go all the way back through the year again. And there is a leap day box in late winter that you can mark those off as they go by as well. Okay. So you should be able to get through from now until 9999 <laughs> with your copy. I like cool. to tell people that I'm giving out refunds in the year 10000 if it doesn't work, <laughs> but it's going to be working, so well, it's
1: fine. Hey, be careful. I was just <laughs> watching a movie by, based on H.G. Wells' book. It's a movie called Things to Come, and they're talking about how in the old world, people needed to build upwards because they didn't have their own sun suns in their house to create sunlight so who knows maybe your calendar will be integrated into some future society and that rebate or or refund will be claimed (laughs) at some time but i love it i love the idea that people can save a tree you know i don't know how many trees it takes to make one calendar but for every calendar you would have bought for the rest of your life you could save that many trees by just buying this one calendar so yeah yeah, save a tree get the new calendar restructure your life and again as i said earlier i think this is a good opportunity for people who may be feeling like they're in a rut or maybe feeling like their routine is getting to them maybe their jobs particularly sucking i mean people tend to feel that way in the winter as you described that new feeling of like being in your own reality, I think something as simple as putting a different calendar on your wall can do that for people. And I, I hope to hear some of some of the audience's feedback and maybe there's some synchronicities or synchronistic experiences that can occur just by setting this change in motion. But until next time, folks, thanks for tuning in and yeah. That's about it for this episode. Go and support Tom, thenewcalendar.com, at the new calendar on social medias. Pick up the uh, calendar and you get a user guide, which makes, you know, very easy to understand what's going on. It's a very easy shift to make. But uh, yeah, that's all. That's all from me, folks. Mike, any closing thoughts?
3: No, this is a, a great conversation. And Tom, keep 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 looking at that time frame. The reason they're called months is moons and you nailed it when you talked about indoctrination and freedom. So it's all in the calendar there. So keep on going down that
2: path. It's awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you both. Yeah. I'll don't worry. I'm already knee deep in the rabbit hole. I, there's only one way out. and it's keep going down. <laughs>
1: Love it. Love it. Yeah, we'd love to have you back on in the future to to go deeper because, yeah, this is a, a ongoing enigma unfolding for all of us. So participate in it, folks, and immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. All right, and that was our episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse here presented to you on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast feed. Really, it was a little blend of both. Uh, No bonus content for this episode because it was Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. So enjoy and go and subscribe to that podcast feed. Wherever you listen to this podcast, go and listen to the back catalog. Uh, From time to time, Mike will be on the podcast from his cell phone. So the quality uh, differs depending on which episode you listen to. But the recent episodes, Mike, mainly has been on Zoom. So it makes for better quality. But still, um, it's a little bit different in that sense. It's a little bit more lo-fi than the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast is. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and look forward to a new episode of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast coming out on Wednesday, plus another episode of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast on Friday. Of course, you can sign up on Patreon now to hear them both. Uh, you could also go to Rockfin, where we have the video versions of these episodes, as well as a Substack. So go and check those out. The easiest way to find all that is myfamilythinksimcrazy.com. Of course, if you love the show, leave us a five-star rating and review. Send us a one-time donation and you get a shout-out. I'm going to be doing that in the episode that's coming out Wednesday. So look forward to some shout-outs. Leave a five-star rating and review if you'd like. ...to get a shout out. Uh, also, you can you can pick up some merch in our merch store. We've got tons of great merch. We've got hoodies and beanies, things that are great for the colder weather. Uh, we've got t-shirts if you live somewhere where it's warm. Even now, where I'm at, it's about 40 degrees, which is pretty warm, considering it was uh, snowing last week. So anyways... Enough about the weather. Big shout out to our sponsors. The Hit Kit, the number one way to get lit. Uh, You got to give the Hit Kit a good look if you smoke, whether it's joints, blunts, whatever you roll up. Get yourself a Hit Kit. Keeps your lighter safe and sound. Even if you're someone who maybe smokes occasional bogey or cigar, get yourself a Hit Kit. It's a great way to Uh, Keep whatever you're smoking on safe and sound. He's got a a number of different hit kits and a bunch of different styles. And you can get your own design, whatever you want. Your name, your favorite sports team logo, maybe even uh, a podcast logo like this one. Check it out there. Uh, And I have another sponsor. It's really incredible. His name is Isaac and he makes some really, really wonderful Organite products. The link is in the description if you want to check out what he has going on. Organite is a really cool substance that you should learn more about. We've done interviews, and Isaac will be joining me on the show soon to talk further about Organite. But he made me this really cool um, Organite sort of Table piece that I could use to roll up or uh, I like to put my glass of water on it to charge my water up. Um, but yeah, Organite. There's a lot to talk about with Organite. If you're familiar with Organite, I highly recommend you go see what Isaac Lazell has. He's got tons of great stuff. So I'm going to link his website in the description so you can go and check that out. And that is Oregonite.com. It is Oregonite. Get it? He makes Oregonite in Oregon. And he hasn't just made cool stuff for me. He's made stuff for Ryan Bledsoe. Uh, they've got these really cool coasters, some pyramids. Just go to Oregon-ite.com to check it all out. Or go to O R E G O N i t e on instagram that's oregonite on instagram give my man a follow check out his awesome stuff and hit him up for a custom uh commission you know you can get all sorts of stuff uh these really great flow boards cutting boards i mean you could really your imagination can run wild with what potentially you could put organite into so go and check that out today. They've got some great pendants. That's Oregon.ite. And that's all for me, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast feed. This is a show that Mike Wan and I have done for several years now. So go and check it out. You can listen wherever you listen to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast And until next episode, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now.
0: Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface. They want you confused, like you never knew your purpose. Hopping through the portals, dismantling the machine. My family thinks I'm crazy. I can't believe what I've seen. Memories of a war of the Pleiadians and Anunnaki stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body. DNA fractal. The universe within me. Epiphanies of science is hoarded by the Illuminati puppet masters. No the power of the mon truck. Repeating mad lies till it has an effect on you. Subliminal messages, hijacked Perception Tricking the population with holographic projections We see through it, the system is unraveling I'm astral traveling through the library of the Vatican On a sacred journey, I embark with the squad for rougher spitting truth like Mark on the pod Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap dissect the fabric of reality looking for the answers searching through the galaxy you might be feeling stressed out depression, anxiety is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society you don't even know how powerful you are we the ones who gonna Look. expose the whole facade. I awoke in a deep underground military base. Zero recollection of how I got to this place. Alien corpses floating in glass cylinders. Must have been extracted when they crashed into us. Animal hybrids contained in the cages. A lion with the eagle head, monkeys with reptilian bases. Losing my mind and I'm feeling desperate. I look around the room and I see no sign of an exit. All of a sudden, the wall flickers away, revealing a hangar full of spacecraft. My getaway, I run to the nearest one. See a guard knock him out, rob him over his plasma gun. Hop in the ship, take the controls. They're highly intuitive, I figure it out easily. Lift off, accelerate through a tunnel until I see the light fly into the sky, get flanked by six F-35. bags, never hold back. Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap. I dissect the fabric of reality, looking for the answers, searching through the galaxy. You might be feeling stressed out. Depression, anxiety, is no measure of health. To be well adjusted to a sick society. You don't even know how powerful you are. We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade.